What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Ryan McNichols here. It is still Tuesday, September 13th. We are still going through the NFL slate of Week 1 games. We run a little longer in the last couple episodes, so we are going to hop back into that. Before we do that, though, we're just going to touch on some other thoughts from the Week 1 games. First off, the teams that struggled that were supposed to be powerhouses in the NFC, the Los Angeles Rams, uh, Rich and I discussed that on the pod. We're going to wait and see about them. We're not buying the struggles of Green Bay and San Francisco. San Francisco was in a downpour against Chicago. You can just throw that game out. Green Bay had a poor showing in Week 1 last year as well. I know they don't have Devontae Adams anymore, but they were also missing both of their starting tackles from this game. So, again, Rich and I are both going are selling on the idea that Green Bay and San Francisco are going to struggle. We are buying the fact that Dallas is struggling and even possibly that Tampa Bay is going to struggle. Tampa Bay suffered some injuries to their offensive line, just like Dallas. Now Chris Godwin's going to miss some extended period of time, so we'll see what's going on with those powerhouses. But now we'll just hop right back into our game reviews, and thanks for joining us yet again. All right, next up we are looking at the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Detroit Lions. So, you want to start off with this one, Rich? Yeah, we mentioned them earlier, but man, is DeAndre Swift a player. (laughs) 15 carries for 144 yards, 9.6 yards per carry. Jamal Williams had 11 carries for 28 yards. One dude's averaging 9.6 yards a carry. The other's averaging two and a half. And it doesn't matter. We could take out, like, you know, the two carries at the goal line wherever you give Jamal Williams where he doesn't have a legitimate chance to get more than the three yards or whatever. But then you're still looking at, you know, what am I looking at? Nine carries for 25 yards? Like, what are we doing? This wasn't a matter of, like, they were rotating them out when DeAndre Swift was winded or something. There was just straight plays that they had designed for Jamal Williams. And DeAndre Swift would be out there for one play, getting, like, a 16-yard run. Then the next play, Jamal Williams all of a sudden is running the ball. And we're sitting there as Eagles fans like, oh, thank God. Like, you know what I mean? Appreciate you taking him out. Yeah, way to have Jamal Williams in there on third down and run it up the middle with him and get two yards and now have to punt it away as opposed to DeAndre Swift, who's getting 15 and 16-yard rushes left and right. Gashing us all game. So, Started from from the second play of the game, first play, whatever it was, where he went fifty. Yeah. All game he was gashing. Three they, targets. They should have had twenty carries. Like for they went away from the run. They'd have beat the Eagles if they stayed on the, stayed with the run. Three targets, three catches for thirty one yards. Again, averaging ten point three yards per ca- or per catch. Jamal Williams, two targets, one catch for two yards. It's like it's not even close when you look at the productivity of the players. I understand you like Jamal Williams, and he's a great guy, and I like a lot of the things that he likes too, with his you know anime and the crazy things he's always talking about. But dude, do my do me a favor and be a nice guy and go to the coach and tell him like, hey coach, you know, I appreciate being involved and all, but maybe DeAndre Swift, who just moved us majority of the way down the field, should be the guy to run in this touchdown here. You know, just do it for me. Do it, do it because you're a good guy, Jamal. Um, on the flip side of that, I mean, again, we're not particularly interested in Jared Goff. He threw two touchdowns and interceptions, what Jared Goff does. He fumbled once, but he didn't lose it, luckily. TJ Hawkinson, seven targets, only caught four of them for 38 yards. It's a little disappointing for TJ Hawkinson, but he's still, you're not dropping him. I mean, he essentially did what most other tight ends are going to do. It wasn't a great week for tight ends out there. So, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 12 targets for eight catches and 64 yards. We watched the game together. Did it feel like Amon Ross St. Brown got 12 targets in that game? It was a lot of late. It was a lot late. 
I was going to say, did I, did I miss I, something? I rewatched the game today. I got a lot of work late in the game, second half. So that's what I want everybody to keep in mind. I don't imagine a lot of situations where the Lions are going to, well, I mean, they're going to be playing from behind a lot, but 38-35, to 35, I don't know that they're going to be a high-scoring game like that with as much passing volume. Um, and he got it all, again, like you said, in garbage time, and they were really trying to move stuff. And they, He got a touchdown, he scored, so that's great. DJ Chark, four catches on eight targets. 52 yards and a touchdown. He might have a role till Jamison Williams comes back. Could play in your flex play, uh, you know, depending on how deep your league is. Wide receiver three, flex play territory for DJ Chark. Don't throw him in your lineups for week two just yet. See how he goes for another week. Again, we're, we want to see how this goes because, again, it felt like Amon Ross St. Brown was not involved in the game plan early. And I don't know if that changes next week or if it goes to DJ Chark. And it's confusing, too, because I know... I know Avante Maddox is good, but I feel like Darius Slay and James Bradbury are better, and they're on the outside working DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds and them, and I'm on Ron St. Brown's in the slot on Avante Maddox, and like you said, it just didn't seem like he was involved early on in the game, so I don't know if that's yeah, their I mean, overall game I plan or the, the exact number that it was. Jared Goff had only completed one pass up to like midway through the second quarter. Like it, it was not Only good. completed one? Yes, it was not good. But, the, but their offense was moving the ball because of the run, and they went away from it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we're up 21-7. Goff is like one for eight, but like minus four yards or minus minus two yards or something like that. And then Fletcher Cox got up in his grill, and next thing you know, Goff started completing passes. Oh, yeah. And then that, they went on their little bit of a run. All right. So, uh, Miles Sanders on the flip side for the Eagles. 13 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown, 7.4 yards per carry. It's impressive. He's also uh, involved in the passing game. Two catches on two targets for nine yards. Mm-hmm. He scored a touchdown, so, I mean, he, whatever you drafted him at, he outproduced that for this week. The the Eagles' offense as a whole was impressive, uh, minus the Devontae Smith. Yeah, unfortunate for Devontae Smith. He seemed yeah. like he was really just a decoy out He'll there. His, there'll so be games where... Was he a decoy, or was it more of a situation where Jalen Hurts was one read, take off, and run? So I think it was a little bit of that, and I also think it was one by design. A.J. Brown was dominating... Jeff Okuda or whoever the second corner was, they lined up across from him. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, like what? What are we going away from? It's like (laughs) the exactly. What are we going to do with the Lions? Exactly. Let me bring in Jamal Williams. I mean, just feed the ball to Devontae Smith. He's a great wide receiver. I mean, no disrespect, but why not? Why can't keep giving the ball to AJ Brown? It's working. You're moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah. I mean, if it ain't like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think the uh, Dan Campbell and the Lions coaching staff could learn a little lesson from Sirianni and the Eagles there. Give the ball to your best player. <laughs> A.J. Brown had 13 targets. Uh, nobody else had more than four. Goddard had four. Gainwell had four. Devontae Smith had four. He didn't catch any. He dropped one. Another one was a, an egregious one. pass interference. And he had one called back. He did catch a ball, but there was a penalty on the play, and it got, uh, it got wiped. So, you know, this was kind of what I had said was my concern. To a little bit of a lesser extent, though, I had said that my concern with both these guys is that throughout the course of the season is that they're kind of going to eat into each other's work and take it. It didn't go that way. This was, you know, I was expecting more of like a 8-6 to six target split between the two as opposed to a 13-4 to four target split between the two. So It's week one. Crazy things happen. I expect it to be a little bit closer. I expect A.J. Brown to dominate But again, A.J. Brown got 25 points this week and didn't score a touchdown. So again, if he just goes back and gets the volume scale back a little bit, he's getting 15, 18 points a week without a touchdown. When he gets that touchdown, he's going to, you know, he'll exceed what I 
at what I had him ranked at anyway going into this season because I wasn't sure about it. But that was a good week one. Miles Sanders, again, another one. Just hold on a little bit. We've seen... I liked what I saw week one. I liked what I saw too. He he looked like a better runner. Watching the game, he looked better. He looked like he was make he's seeing the field better and making better decisions with his run. More patience. He was you know cutting. He hit it. He ran into a few people a few times and laid in some hits there. So that run he had at the end of the game on that last drive where he got stuffed at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if you remember it. It's all fresh in my mind. I just watched the game earlier again. (laughs) He gets he gets hit up at the line of scrimmage. He keeps his feet moving, looks left, sees the hole, bam, bounces, and gets that's the one he busts up the left sideline for like thirty yards or whatever, forty yards. And it's like I don't feel like Miles of last year would have made that play, or Miles of previous years. It feels to me like he looks like a new running back this year. So yeah, and I'm gonna put this out there too. I, I a lot of places I keep hearing them mention this, and it feels like I don't, I don't know. Man, I, all right, I will call him out. So it started on ESPN's fantasy football show with Matthew Barry. Stating that, like, this is a running back by committee. And it's just, I go through the numbers and I look at it and I was like, you can't justify legitimately saying that unless you're going to call, like, every running back room out there a running back by committee. I mean, if you when wanna... Miles Sanders is healthy and he plays, he's the number one running back and it's not close. No. He plays 75% last year before he got hurt in the first uh, six games. 75% of the snaps, 65% of the running back touches between both rushing and receiving. Gainwell was serving more as the pass-catching back, but they were still even close when it came to that. The season before that, where like Boston Scott had all those touches, and you look at the stats and like it seemed close. Remember, Miles Sanders had mixed six games there, and Boston Scott filled in. 80% of Boston Scott's production came in those, those six, six games that Miles Sanders missed. When Miles Sanders is on the field and healthy, he's the number one running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. They were not running the ball during the first six weeks last season. That was the problem when you go and look at how often they were running. There was a game where Miles Sanders was had the most rushing attempts among running backs. He had three rushing attempts. And then Boston Scott had one. And Kenneth Genwell had zero. That's what was happening with the Eagles offense. They weren't running, and we know why. Jeffrey Lurie wants to be a flashy offense like the Cowboys. He wants to throw it all over the place. It was a problem he had with Doug Peterson. That's part of the issue that they had. He was directing him to throw the ball more and run the ball less. It was a problem he had with Nick Sirianni, and we know it was a problem that they had because Nick Sirianni even, and him both even admitted last year at one point that he came out to him and said, hey, do whatever it takes to win the game. And it's one of those things where then you see them shift to the run-heavy offense, which is, okay, so do whatever it takes to win the game means shift to a run-heavy offense, but... Why does your owner need to come tell you halfway through the season, hey, do whatever it takes to win the game? Why wasn't that message? So the message at the beginning was different than do whatever it mm-hmm. takes to win the game. It was, hey, try to win the game this way. Yeah, and see basically, if can have a high-flying offense. And he didn't have the receiving pieces in place. And you can see in their moves with how often they've been grabbing wide receivers in the first and second round of the first few years. Yep, that's what they want to be. Exactly. Now you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard, you have the pieces to do it, and they can do it. And they can still work the run in while they do it. So Now, not to say I'm defending Matthew Berry here, but the only way you want to call this running back a committee is if you want to count Jalen Hurts as a running back. That's the only way you call it a committee. And he, you're not you're not worried about Boston Scott and like, I mean he might vulture a touchdown or two here, but what do you have? Five carries, four carries. Uh, like, Boston Scott had four carries. Kenny yeah, Gainwell had, had five. five carries. Like come on, they both had touchdowns, but are they going to score touchdowns everywhere? The Eagles going to run four touchdowns right. in every week. The two no, of them can... four or five carries isn't much. You're going to like counting in Hertz and Sanders and those couple extra carries. The Eagles are going to run the ball thirty times a game, thirty five times a game. Yeah. Give fifteen to Hertz, and that's what? How much is left over? Give. 
three or four to Gainwell, three or four to Scott, and you're left with what, 15, 16 left for Sanders still? Like, Gainwell will be used is as, again as a passing back. He was more involved in the passing game with four targets as opposed to Miles Sanders too. But a lot of offenses do that, where you have a guy come in when you're in your hurry-up sort of offense and you need a guy who doesn't have to come off the play if you do three pass plays in a row where he has to run routes and do a lot. So that's kind of the situation where Gainwell's out there for. But, yeah, so like you said, only if you're including Jalen Hurts do you want to can say that's a running back by a committee. But that's the thing. They were always talking about Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell getting their work in there and things. I'm just sitting there like it's that's, that's not how it is. And, like, the problem is they just weren't ever committing to the run when Miles Sanders was actually there. Mm-hmm. And even and it's like, again, even when they weren't committing to the run, you go back and you look at the numbers – He's the number one back, and like well, it was, it's a sixty-five, you know, thirty-five split. So like, how far does it need to go one way for you to not consider like the other running backs combining for thirty-five percent? He's got sixty-five percent by himself. That seems like a lead back to me versus a running back by committee, because other places are closer. You know, Dallas Cowboys with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Uh, Green Bay Packers with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And it's like, you know, every time Miles Sanders comes up, they mention the running back by committee. And, like, they don't do the same thing. They, they'll mention A.J. Dillon and, and Tony Pollard being there, but it's never in, like, oh, it's a running back by committee. It's going to take away from the value of this, good blah, 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 you know, like they do with Miles Sanders. So, again, we're optimistic from what we saw with Miles Sanders with how he looked in the game. He looked impressive. A.J. Yep. Brown's volume might be a little scaled back, but he also has a chance to score touchdowns, especially if the Eagles are going to be putting up, you know, 30-plus points a week. Devontae Smith should be more involved going forward. Dallas Goddard is being the being the tight end you draft him, him to as, you know, a, a low end tight end one. Three catches for sixty yards, ninety you know, nine points in fantasy. That's yeah, where you're getting. He's from the gonna tight score end. some touchdowns too. There's gonna be weeks where he's up that yeah. fifteen to twenty point range. Yeah, that's one of the yeah. But again, that's one of the nicer things about Goddard. He'll have, you know, three, four catches a game, get you the steady seven, nine seven, eight, nine points, and then have the weeks with a touchdown where he'll do more than, you know, Several, you know, most other tight ends will do in that week. But moving on to the next game, we've got Baltimore Ravens versus the New York Jets. So this is another one with the New York Jets with their receiving room where I'm very curious to see how this unfolds because this was a Joe Flacco threw 59 pass attempts in this game. Yeah, I mean, can we, you can't expect them to do that every week. No. And the like, normal fall off. Again, the, this is one of the things where. You're going to say the Jets are bad, they'll be behind, they'll have to throw a lot. It's like, yes, that's true. They did this last year, and they did not have a game where they had to throw 59 times in a game. So it'll be scaled back. I think that you know the projections for the next week are going to run something like 45 plays. So they're going to run a total plays, you know, 20 fewer plays than they did pass attempts you know, this week. Um, so that makes the receiving core a little bit kind of hard to figure out there. Corey Davis had nine targets, six catches for 77 yards. Garrett Wilson, eight targets, four catches for 52 yards. And Elijah Moore, seven targets, five catches, 49 yards. I don't know how that's going to shake out. I don't know that each one of them get nine, eight, and seven targets every week, obviously, if the passing game goes down. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying Corey Davis doing that every week. He's going to have these, like, every few games of relevance where he pops back up again and does something like he did this past week. But most of the time, I'm expecting it to be Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. So, I've been more in on Garrett Wilson this offseason. It technically, I mean, didn't play out this week that way necessarily. But they're close. I mean, we're talking 9.2 points versus 9.9 points with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore because they didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, like you said, I'm in on those two moving forward. Corey Davis can get bumped down. I'm, you know, don't buy into it. Don't 
Don't use your number one waiver priority to grab Corey Davis. Keep an eye on this. That's a week one thing with how heavy the pass game is. Um, something more to look at. Michael Carter versus Brees Hall. So, Michael Carter, 10 carries versus Brees Hall, 6 carries. Michael Carter is much more effective with the carries that he got. Although, again, when you get 10 carries, it's easier to be more effective because you have a better chance for a long run, like a 22-yard run that you got off. Um, but then the targets. So, again, pass-heavy game, but Brees Hall, 10 targets. Michael Carter, 9 targets. I mean, a lot of people were down on Brees Hall because of the committee and Michael Carter being the lead back. But, like we talked about with the wide receivers, like with Drake London, we mentioned the uh, expectations being skewed. Sometimes you just got to scale it back for a rookie's first game. And I'm encouraged by the workload that Brees Hall got week one. I mean, he got 10 targets. I don't expect him to get that every week. But you see him in that solid 6-7 to seven range, 5-7 to seven range is cool. Again, I, only, I expect his carries to bump as, as the season goes along. I don't think he's going to sit there with 6 a game, like 8, 9, maybe 10, and then throw on those 5 targets. And you're looking at a nice, a nice workload where be a solid flex play. Yeah, so I think this is, because again, from what I've been hearing on the other shows and I'm listening to is that there seems to be, the optimism is, is leaning more towards Michael Carter now. They're saying, you know, Michael Carter is more effective, he looked like the better player out there and all that. I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, well, I'm looking at the touches and I feel like they're closer than I thought they would have been for week one mm-hmm. because this is where you need to, whatever your expectations individually were prior to the season, I think is where you kind of need to readjust and be more realistic once the season starts and like... You might feel really great about a rookie player, a new player, or something like that, and week one doesn't go that way. But it doesn't mean that it's oh. So, I guess I had Brees Hall ranked more as twenty, uh, running back 25, 28 areas where I had Brees Hall at. So I wasn't drafting him, expecting to start him on a weekly basis at the beginning of the season. You had to draft Brees Hall with the understanding that for the first, I I would have said that the first six games, I wouldn't be counting on Brees Hall to be in my lineup if I was drafting him. Because that's the amount of time it's going to take him to get acclimated to the NFL and to the offense that he's playing in with the Jets. And that's the amount of time where I imagine Michael Carter will be the lead back and have more touches than him, more carries, as he's still more familiar with everything and Brees Hall is learning it. But it's once it gets past that point, once you're in week 8, 9, 10, and you've had injuries to your running backs, you're hitting the bye weeks where everybody's off, and now Brees Hall has emerged as the number one running back for the Jets. If you drafted him, expecting him to be a top 20 running back every week starting week one going forward, you made a mistake. You had unrealistic expectations set. You had to understand that for the first six or so weeks, is again, what I would, uh, what I would set for him is about the first six weeks of the season, not even probably going to return running back 30 numbers. Maybe. Maybe there's a game or so. Maybe something happens to Michael Carter. Maybe he emerges earlier. But then I think once he gets that role in week 7, 8, or 9, going forward, I think he will be a top 20 running back from that point. Not a top 10, but top 15 to 20 at the running back position going forward once he gains the role in that. And so you had to draft in that way. And if you wanted to play the game of 0 RB or hero RB and you waited too long and you grab Brees Hall expecting him to start, and be like, no, it's going to be a rough next couple of weeks. And... Just, again, understand that in the second half of the season is going to be a much better product from Brees Hall than the first half of the season. So, hold on. Don't sell. I wouldn't sell Brees Hall yet. I'd wait a little bit longer and see how it is, especially because, remember, they have Joe Flacco, quarterback, not Zach Wilson at the moment. So, we'll see how things go forward. Flipping over to the Ravens' side, Lamar Jackson. It took him a while to get going, but he finally, you know, did Lamar Jackson things. Yeah, they, looked, they looked a bit sluggish at the beginning of that game. Yeah. 
not as bad as a lot of the other teams out there, and it helps when you're playing the Jets with a backup quarterback. So uh, he was 17 for 30 for 213 yards, three touchdowns, one interception through the air. Didn't really run much. Six carries for 17 yards. That's surprising and probably not going to repeat again. They were playing the Jets. They blew him out the whole time. They didn't really need to unleash their full offense. Um, Rashad Bateman was bailed out of the game. Two catches for 59 yards and a touchdown, so on five targets. So, again, he had a, his one catch was 55 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so, so prior to that touchdown, he had one catch for four yards. Right. So he was bailed out in this game by a long touchdown catch, and that you know pretty much saved him. At the same time, Devin DuVernay, four catches on four targets for 54 yards and two touchdowns. Do not buy this. <laughs> Do not buy this. I understand he had four targets. Two of them went for touchdowns. <laughs> Again, that's just one of those things that's not going to happen. You're not scoring a touchdown on 50% of your opportunities, especially if you're only getting four opportunities a game. Are you telling me right now that Devin Duvernay's not going to score 34 touchdowns this year? I'm telling you right now that I'm taking the under on Devin Duvernay scoring 34 touchdowns throughout the season. You don't think he's going to get there? No, I don't think he's (laughs) going to get there. Uh, I'll take the under on a 100% uh, catch rate, too, for Devin Duvernay. (laughs) <laughs> four for four I think for fifty four. He's just catch radius is too good. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. He's he, that's why he's been buried on the Ravens depth chart for four or five years now. So don't buy into Devin Duvernay. This is a fluky week one against again against an opponent where they didn't really need to go all that against. Mark Andrews five catches fifty two yards again rough week for tight ends yeah, in week I mean, one in the you NFL. You expect more, but a solid ten points from Andrews is you know okay we'll take it. What are you gonna do? Uh, no other real big takeaways from this. Keep, again, keep an eye on the Jets running back situation. Oh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens running back situation. Yeah, it's, is it worth mentioning at this point? No. I mean, um, you, you don't want Kenyon Drake, and I'm not sure you want J.K. Dobbins when he comes back. I'm, I really i am not sure Yeah. at this point. I mean, in all honesty, J.K. Dobbins might get the bulk of the touches just because they don't have anything else to go to. Like, there's, That's true. There's I mean, nothing. If he ends up with 15 carries a game on this offense, maybe he falls into an end zone each game. Maybe he ends up like a Josh Jacobs sort of thing. You know what I mean? Very well could happen. You know, we'll see but, how effective he, he will be. Yeah, yeah. For all his optimism, yeah, he is still not back. We'll see about week two. Wait for an official update from the team. Don't listen to J.K. Dobbins' social media account because he didn't think he was going to start the. You know, he didn't start. He didn't think he was going to start preseason on the pup list. He started the preseason on the pup list. He didn't think he was going to miss week one. He missed week one. Don't trust J.K. Dobbins when he comes to reporting his health. So, is this with the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots? So twenty to seven, the New England Patriots offense looked awful as it had all preseason. I mean. Who couldn't have seen this one coming, man? They let Matt Patricia call plays. Matt, Are you serious? <laughs> Matt Patricia, he's and come on, he's been you know an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach and uh, yeah, he's got a great track record. Worked with a ton of quarterbacks. Uh, actually, I'm I'm being given a note. He's he's <laughs> never been an offensive coordinator. He's a defensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, a defensive coordinator. Oh. oh my goodness! And that's great. You scratch your head, and then you, you come out, and, and the offense looked listless. It looked anemic. I think I think a high school team might have gave a better performance against the Dolphins defense. That was that was bad, man. So, yeah. So where the magic of Bill is with calling plays, you know, we don't know. This this is just like 
one of the things where it's like it it shouldn't be that surprising, but it's surprising that the Patriots. It's more surprising the Patriots allow this to happen to their organization that Bill Belichick and the Patriots would let this unfold. But let's just review. Where is the superstar skill player at any position on this team? We got a wide receiver. We're, we're, we got your Kobe Myers. Solid, great NFL wide receiver. He's not a superstar. He's, he's solid. You know? He's solid. He's a decent. He deserves to be on an NFL team as he's a star. slot wide receiver. Yep. Um, do we have a Rob Gronkowski or something at tight end that I'm missing? Do we have A.J. Brown or somebody on the outside? Yeah. Do we have a stud running back in this backfield or something? Yeah. So we've got no superstars at any of our skill positions, and we've got a defensive coordinator as our offensive play caller. <laughs> Why were we expecting anything other than seven like points? A joke, man. <laughs> it sounds like a joke. That's what I mean. It's more surprising. It's not surprising that they always scored seven points. It's surprising the Patriots allowed it to get to this point and allowed this to happen. So, mm. I mean, as far as the game, we'll get into the the players and all in this game. So, do do we yeah. want to? I mean, is there anything worth looking at on the on the Patriots side other than Jacoby Myers having a solid ten points? So, I think the running back situation is something that's worth uh, taking so a like look at going forward. Like maybe I'm overreacting too much to Week One. I want nothing to do with this offense. Nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. If I got to, like, I actively was trying to trade Ramondre Stevenson <laughs> right after the game. Like, I've been trying to have him in one of my one of my redrafts, and I, I need him off my team. So, I'm with you, but let's explain to the people at home why we're exactly <laughs> um, onto that. So, as far as the snap count goes, here's the snap count for the Patriots running backs. Damian Harris, 22 snaps. Ty Montgomery, 20 snaps. Ramondre Stevenson, 14 snaps. Now, going forward, Montgomery did just go in the IR. So it will change going forward. But they were planning on using Montgomery. They had him involved. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they had another scat back at some point. But the point Pierre is... Strong? Is that even Pierre if, Strong's music? Huh? Someone playing Pierre Strong's music? <laughs> um, also, the same thing. Routes run, 11 for Harris, 11 for Montgomery, 5 for Stevenson. That's surprising because we all thought that Stevenson might emerge in the James role or James White role and become that pass catcher. We then found out it was going to be Ty Montgomery, but we thought that it would be more. Ste- and so the fact that Harris ran twice as many routes as Stevenson is just surprising. And like you said, this is a running back by committee. This will be a split going yeah, forward. This is a committee. This is going to be a running back by committee on a very bad offense. Well, nothing to do with it. Exactly. So. The only player, I, in my opinion, I mean, Mac Jones in Superflex Leagues might be able to give you some QB2, and Jacoby Myers returns some flex value. Outside of that, I'm not sure. Maybe Hunter Henry if you're hoping they get a touchdown. And, and Mac Jones suffering from back spasms at the moment. MRI, I believe, was negative coming out earlier, but back spasms from something, so he might not be 100% either. So I know this isn't... This is a dynasty and like a fantasy football podcast, but the Patriots are a one and a half point favorite this week in Pittsburgh. They're favorite. Yes. I thought the Steelers were favorite. No, the the Patriots are a one and a half point favorite in Pittsburgh on Sunday. I I can't, I, I can't I can't rationalize it in my head. It doesn't make sense. I heard that on another show too. Where they were saying, you know, if you uh, have a team with a winning record being given points at home against a team with a losing record, you hammer that. And that's what's going on. You have the New England Patriots going to take on the one and O's Pittsburgh Steelers at home. We saw what the Steelers' offense did. The, be- or the Steelers' defense did the Bengals' offense. What are they going to do to the 
Patriots offense, if we can call it that. You can do the Matt Patricia calling plays. Hopefully he's got a big pencil on his ear this week. He's going to need it. All right. So we're not interested. We're pretty much not interested in any... No, let's move on from the Patriots. Yeah, we're not I'm interested in any of the Patriots players going forward. Yes, I was danced already... on their grave enough. No, yeah. <laughs> I'll flip over to the other side to the Dolphins. Tua, 23 of 33 for 270 yards and a touchdown. Nothing spectacular. Again, I don't even... And super flex, maybe, if you, you know, waited on quarterbacks. Um, look good, though. I mean, as far as NFL goes, tw- you know, no interceptions, no turnovers. Yeah. One thing I will say, he did leave a couple plays on the field. They could have beaten New England 34-7 had he hit a couple dudes in stride. A couple guys he threw a little behind. Uh, there was a couple to where guys had a lot of space in front of him, and he didn't hit them in stride where he should have, and it would have been a touchdown. So it looks like we're still having some problems with the uh, deep shots as we've been talking about. They weren't all necessarily deep shots. So just accuracy in general then. On a couple, but for the most part he was better. He had been, he was a lot better than he was last so, year, but there's still just a couple – I need tightening it up. Let me ask you then, is it more of his accuracy, he's not placing the ball where it needs to be, or is it more of like he can't put the zip on the ball to get it there as quickly as he might need to? That's a good question. I'll have to check back in on that. I'll have to get back to you. I mean, as far as the running backs go, it's Chase Edmonds. He's the one that you want if you want one. Four catches on four targets for 40 yards. He also had 12 carries for 25 yards. Unimpressive in the run game, but if he's being used as a pass catching back in addition to getting 12 carries, he's... Got flex value at least. So uh, Raheem Mostert only got five carries, 15 yards, one catch for 16 yards. So, I mean, he just wasn't used much in, in the game. It's surprising for a team that was up most of the game that they didn't rush as much as uh, he would have thought. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind, and this is just completely, you know, I mean, I don't have any like basis on this or nothing. It's just... They were they're beaten up on New England. Mostert's got the injury history. Why risk it? I mean, it's early in the season. You it's guys got, got some big goals for this year. What's the point, you know? Yeah. So, again, I'm I'm not at the point where I would have had Mostert on a roster anyway. I did. You know what I, I, mean? I have him uh, on a roster. That's the dynasty, um, though, what, isn't it? In the dy- I have him in a redraft also. Oh, okay. Um, it's just Chase Evans, another guy, hasn't been able to stay healthy either. So, at some point, he's... He, I don't know. I just had the feeling most of it will be around at some point this season. That was the thing. I, did, I just felt like it will be like uh, each of them will end up being the starter for six or seven games. Mm-hmm. And it's like even, mean, w- even when they're the starter for the six or seven games, they're giving you maybe flex value. I just yeah. felt like there was probably other places to invest and some capital. It was but, like one of the last rounds of the draft. Right. And I'm like, okay. like If I can get a potential RB2 for five weeks versus, I don't know, taking a dude like – I don't know Zay Jones or something like that. Or I'm like, give me the give me the RB. I, I can find a, a similar level player on the waiver wire to Zay Jones who can give me similar production. You know. See, that's where I guess we're different. I'm a little more towards the front half of the draft is where I tend to grab my running backs and secure them. I don't want to play the game with the later I, round running. No, I want to get I get them. So I normally when I, I redraft, I like to leave the first four rounds with three running backs. That's my goal. But it doesn't always play out that way because I like to be fluid with it and play best player available. I usually do it in the five or the first five. I want three solid running backs, depending on where you're picking at in the rounds and all that affects how much I want from that. Because yeah, this is what I was saying too recently. Is like in my first. This was part of the reason why some guys will never end up on my team. Like in the first five rounds, I'm picking players that I expect to start for 
13, 14 games of the upcoming season for me. And, like, you know what I mean? And I mean, like, I, I'm not even thinking about it, questioning it, putting them in my lineup on a week-to-week yeah, basis you about down starting the starter. Yep. And so that's where I mean guys like, you know, like where Saquon Barkley was going as a running back, like he was going as an RB2. I was like, I'm not putting Saquon Barkley in my lineup to be a starting running back on a week-to-week basis, you know what I mean? Michael Thomas, I'm worried about the injury with where he was going at at certain points. So it's one of those things where... I grab, like you said, I'll end up then with, because of the way running backs go, I'll end up with three solid running backs, usually within my first four to five picks. I've got the two guys, so in the one league that we were in, the redraft league, I got Joe Mixon, then it was, you know, I had an earlier pick, so by the time he came back to me, a lot of running backs are gone. I grabbed Nick Chubb because all, like, the pass-catching running backs were gone. And that was the point where it's like, if I had gotten Joe Mixon and Javante Williams, Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones, I might have waited a little bit longer to grab my next running back. But then I'm at the point where I'm looking and it's like there is only one or two other running backs that I would feel good about. Like if something happened to Chubb or Mixon going down that I could put this guy in and feel good about him starting for me for the majority of the season. And so that's what I ended up doing. But, you know, it. I, I, so that's what I do. And then I'll go and I'll grab a fourth guy. I'll grab, I grab Brees Hall in the league because, like, again, I'm looking for later on on buys and if, as the season shifts and he takes over or – uh, some guys I was targeting, like Miles Sanders or Clyde Edwards or Larry, were guys I was targeting as like my fourth running back. But that was kind of it. I was kind of getting to RB four, and then I was using most of the rest of my picks on wide receivers. So, like my later round picks, where people sometimes will grab those running backs or something. Mm-hmm. I was taking wide receivers. Taking wide receivers. I'm grabbing the guys with the potential. I told you, I, like on teams, uh, on multiple teams, I've got Rashad Bateman. Uh, Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Like, I've got at least two of them on every team that I was grabbing, and Christian Kirk. Like, between those five guys, I've got two to three of them on every team that I was grabbing in the later rounds, hoping that they'll emerge as the wide receivers. So that's kind of where I went with my uh, later round picks and why I don't end up with, like, Stevenson or Harris or some guys like that. And then in one league where I got burned on some running backs, I did grab A.J. Dillon later on. That looks like it's going out. He also went really late in that draft. Yeah, I got him on the redraft. That was a home league. Very excited about that one. So, uh, pass catchers for the Dolphins. We got sidetracked there a little bit talking about some uh, strategy yeah. goes as far as running backs and all that. Pass catchers: Tyree Kill, twelve targets, eight catches for ninety-four yards. So nice. Yeah. He's doing good. He seems unaffected. Jan Waddle, five targets, four catches for sixty-nine yards and a touchdown. This was something I had mentioned in our dynasty chat when the trades with Devonte Adams and Tyree Kill happened. And I had said that I don't believe that Jalen Waddle and Hunter Renfo are going to repeat as top, I believe they were both top 18 wide receivers last season. I said, I don't think that's happening for these two guys this year because Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams are going to come in and take those targets. Jalen Waddle scored a 42-yard touchdown. That's three, three for 27 before that touchdown. Exactly. 5.7 points is what he got you if he doesn't break off that big touchdown. You're playing against a listless New England Patriots team that doesn't know what they're doing. Even their star defensive players are gone. You know, Stephon Gilmore is not there anymore. Uh, McCourty or something, I believe, is out of there. Like, it's just it's not a stud team. And, again, if if he doesn't break that big play, like, that's what you're banging on with Jan Walla going forward is him breaking off a big mm-hmm. play like that. And with that big play, you end up with 16.9 fantasy points. So, And that was with getting a big play. So temper expectations for Jalen Waddell and Hunter Renfro. Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams look like they're still good to go. Yeah. Uh, shout out Jalen Waddle. He's got my favorite touchdown celebration. I can't get enough of that Waddle dance he does. It is great, man. And you got the grown man in the stands. Yeah, because everybody can do it. It is awesome, dude. It is so much fun. 
yeah, he's a, again, great player, fun guy, like that dance, just uh, nervous about him as far as fantasy prospects. I think you could have a very Mike Williams-type season where he'll have 16, 18 points yeah. one week and then four points, two points, things like that. All right, so let's move on to our next game. Yeah, let me take this one. All right. right. We'll keep it very simple. Throw it away. <laughs> Throw it away and never look at it again. The weather, uh, uh, no. You can't take anything away from this game and, and, and confidently project going to week two. There's no way. So for everybody, Throw it in the trash. For everybody listening to the audio and not here with me and Rich to be able to see this, the next game we are talking about is the Chicago <laughs> Bears versus the San Francisco 49ers. Throw it away. Get it out. Never look at it again. Never watch the tape. Just be done with it. Don't don't try to take anything away from it. Don't outthink it. Just, nah. It's over with. Move on. Let's go to week two. This was a complete downpour. They had teams of people out there trying to squeegee the field. I've never seen that before. Uh, squeegeeing a field? Squeegeeing a football field. Never seen it. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> Why do you need to squeegee water off of a football field? So... Their draining system there is terrible. <laughs> I heard some people joking that this isn't, this isn't just from rain. Like, they flooded the field on purpose to give themselves an edge. They made a call to Mother Nature to get that downpour to come in. Think of this as the Bills versus the Patriots game last year in the snow, where nothing in that game that happened is something you should project going forward. No, just it's... So. Freak of nature, you know, with the weather. Like it, it was just a freak thing, and it's not something that you want to take anything away from. That you even can take anything away from. Like, what do the stats tell you? Justin Fields threw 17 pass attempts, completed eight of them for 121 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Trey Lance, 13 of 28 for 164 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Um, both teams ran significantly. So both teams had 37 rushing attempts. So again, 28 passing attempts for the 49ers. 17 for the Bears. Both teams ran the ball 37 times. So both teams ran the ball more than they threw the ball, and by a decent amount. Um, the one thing I guess we want to take away if we want to look at it would be the fact that Khalil Herbert was much more effective than David Montgomery with yeah. his touches while he was out there. The other thing that, that strikes me, too, the Elijah Mitchell injury. He's out for about eight weeks. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell suffered a knee injury. I don't remember exactly what... Uh, the specific, it was a knee sprain, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So he's going to be out six to eight weeks, I think, was the diagnosis. This was the risk with Elijah Mitchell coming into the season. This is where I had him, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, CEH, and uh, Cam Akers, all of those guys kind of, and J.K. Dobbins, all grouped in the same little area where, hey, if you could be healthy, you could be the lead back on your team and see 15 carries and five targets a game and you know, get you know close to 20 touches a game and be useful. The problem is you can't stay healthy. And so we've already seen Cam Akers, he's healthy, he's not explosive. CH and Miles Sanders, surprisingly, went the other way. I was surprisingly feeling good about them. Like when I was doing my mock drafts, I kept coming up and I was like, for some reason this year I think might be a little different for these guys. I wasn't expecting to eclipse 20 points a week like they did in week one. That's not at all what my expectation was. I'd be lying if I said it was. But I, I felt like they could. this could have been the year where they were – consistent fantasy value and week one they both had a lot of fantasy value but um elijah mitchell had four different injuries last season i believe to multiple different parts of his body mm -hmm. he was hurt this off season coming into the, yeah, the coming into the it season, yeah. so when he goes into the game and they're going to hand the ball 20 times like this is it's the 49ers backfield man 49ers running backs they're cursed man cannot 
stay healthy for a full season. I don't know if they even. I don't know these running. I, I want to dig up some numbers. See if the when's last time before Niners running back even started ten games for Frank them for the season. Probably. It's probably Frank Gore. But the one thing that, that just popped in, I want to look at that actually, because it could be their. They always go for these like smaller speed dudes, and they try, they run that the certain zone scheme, and like it could lend itself to littler dudes getting pummeled on, you know. But like that could be the case. It could just be the style of back they prefer, and that's why they're always injured. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let me toss that game out. Let's let's move on. Okay. Yeah. Dino Samuel bad out with a touchdown. He got a lot more rushing attempts once you know. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, Elijah down. Mitchell yeah. went down. We'll see how that and goes going forward. He got a ton too because of the rain. He can't throw the ball. Exactly, like, dude. Like I, for those of you who haven't seen it, I beg you to go on YouTube and look at how bad the weather was. Like, there at one point, the the, the holder on the, on a field goal attempt brought a towel out and tried to to pat dry like you would like a piece of pizza that's got too much grease on it. You take a <laughs> napkin and, like, pat it on. Like, he tried to do that for the spot. He got a penalty for it, and he ended up not getting able to kick. It's illegal. You're not able to do it. But yeah. that's how wet it was out there that he felt he needed a towel to try and pat dry the grass. Like, come on, man. It's crazy. In case you didn't know this, you are not allowed in the middle of the game to try to do something to intentionally alter the condition of the football field. So, no, you are not allowed to come out and try to pat the field down with a towel so you have a better place to get. No, you cannot come out with a shovel and try to move the snow out of the way so you can get a better stance. Like, come on. How did they let this happen? All right, moving on. Like you said, that was way too much about that game. New York Giants versus the Tennessee Titans. Surprising, the New York Giants uh, pulled this one out. Dude, how did Tennessee lose this game? That is a great question. I don't fully have an answer for you. Um, my here's my answer is that they don't have anything on the passing game. Yeah, they they looked like they were really lacking an alpha uh, wide receiver. Man, them them trading Burks hurt or trading uh, AJ Brown uh, really hurt them. Ryan Tannehill, twenty of thirty three for two hundred and sixty six yards, <clears throat> two touchdowns, no interceptions. So like on the whole, it like it looks decent. Derrick Henry, 21 carries for 82 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. His long was an 18 rush. I mean, that's kind of yeah. – it, it's hard to even fault them. Like, Derrick Henry still got 21 carries. What are you going to do? Like, he, he didn't break a huge one off and take it to the house. He averaged a little less than four yards per carry. Your offensive line – I believe they lost an offensive lineman recently, Taylor Lewin. Yeah, I think he came back into that game, though. Okay. The, so, thing, that, the thing that really stood out to me with how – this was another game that was painful to watch. Both teams were terrible on, on third down. You can pull up the team stats. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but they were both atrocious on third down. Three for 11 and two for 10. Like, <laughs> like, it was just a bad football game. So five of 21 Combined. on third down. Yes. Okay, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty bad. So, um, Dontrell Hilliard, you know, again, another one of those guys that just, he scored two touchdowns. He's not going to score two touchdowns on four targets every week. Same thing we talked about with Jahan Dotson. Same thing I talked about with Michael Thomas. It's an unreal level of efficiency that can't be maintained for a full season. They're not going to finish the season with 34 touchdowns. Dontrell Hilliard's only being used really as the pass catching running back. He had two carries for eight yards. He was, uh, you know, Derek Henry was only targeted once in the passing game. But like you said, the, the main thing is their wide receivers. You got Kyle Phillips as the number one wide receiver. Oh, as a rookie, he looked great, man. Like, let's start at the top and mark our way down. Is Robert Woods dust at this point? 
Robert Woods, thirty, uh, going to be thirty years old this season, coming back from a torn ACL. I was down on him to begin with. Too, we know Mike like, was Mike was much higher on Robert Woods if you remember from our one exercise. Yes, I just I wasn't completely out on him. I thought there may be some weeks that he could return some type of value. The closer we got to the season, I started to kind of turn on him a little bit. Not saying I was ever – I don't have him on any teams or I didn't draft and nothing like that. But it was like I was like, maybe someone's got to catch passes there. And, like, he just didn't look the part. Yeah. I mean, Burks, he, he got five targets, but he looked pretty good. I was very impressed, with, like we mentioned, with Kyle Phillips. It, it just they, – they need a dude out there, man. They, they really need Burks to develop. Kyle Phillips, six catches for 66 yards on nine targets. So 12.2 points. He's kind of a he's smaller guy, operates as a slot wide slot receiver. receiver yep. Traylon Burks, five targets, three catches for 55 yards. It's all right. Um, you know, I'm not a big Burks guy. I think that's well known if you're listening to this show. I'm kind of been out on Burks. <laughs> yeah, he was a, a much debated topic. In all, in all honesty, as far as going into the season, looking at the wide receivers, I honestly thought that their number one at the end of the season might end up being Nick Westbrook or Kine. But, like, not, like, I told you before I was drafting wide receivers that I thought would be the number one on their team and get 100-plus targets and therefore get, you know, at least 10 points a game. Rashad Bateman, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Drake London, guys like that. I wasn't viewing Nick Westbrook Keen like that. Like, again, I was looking at him like, yep, he, he might be the number one target on that team at the end of the year, but I didn't view him as, like, I should get him on my team because he'll end with 100-plus targets. Get to, I was like, no, I was like, because I was looking, I was like, it's one of those things where if you play the game, like, 90% hit rate on a guy's 100-plus targets getting 10 or more points. He's the 10% that's not going to get the 10-plus points. This is essentially the kind of the way I was looking at it. So uh, at this point in time, I'm out on a Tennessee Titans pass catcher until I see somebody string together two games. Or yeah, I'm in on Kyle Phillips. Uh, I need another week from Kyle Phillips before I commit to – I'm in on him. I, I, we've had positive news so hang ever on. since ha- training let, camp. Let's clarify what we mean by in on him. How in on him are you? Like, if he's available in, in the waiver wire, I'm going to pick him up. Who are you dropping to pick up Kyle Phillips? It depends. I'd have to look at my bench to come up with somebody specific. But, like, one of those lower-level dudes, I, I don't see what, what – he's got upside to potentially be a number one on the team. So, I guess, are you – like, any of the wide receivers I mentioned that I grabbed late and that I like, Christian Kirk, uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Um, no, I still would keep these because they got the capital. Uh, the team's invested in them. Like, I still think those guys are going to break out. But you're telling me I can get this guy for free who might be the number one wide receiver. I'm going to take a shot on him. All right. So I guess then – so I guess my mind now is triggering over to what you said earlier about who you pick. So are we dropping Raheem Mostert, Damian Harris to pick up Kyle Phillips? Damian Harris, no. Raheem Mostert, maybe. I'm more looking in the um, J.D. McKissick range. I may drop a dude like him. Um, what else we got? Let me pull up another team. Um, I'm just trying to think of guys. Yeah, I had I had Zamir White rostered right now in a 12-man league because as a handcuff to Josh Jacobs, I could cut him. I'd be happy with move, dropping him for Phillips. Um, I have Zay Jones rostered. I might move on from him for Phillips. I don't see Zay Jones after what we saw week one. I mean, Kirk, Kirk's going to be the number one. Yeah. Zamir White's somebody that I'd think about holding on. Again, I think I'd want to wait more. Like, not that I'm sitting here now saying that I definitely want Samir White for the rest of the season over Kyle Phillips. I'm thinking at this point I want to wait another week or two before I make the decision to drop Samir White for Kyle Phillips on the off chance, again, something happens to Josh Jacobs or Samir White earns a role. A lot of these rookie running backs were healthy scratches. Yeah. 
going into their games. Mir White was the backup at the Ra- at the Raiders game. They didn't really use him he for didn't anything. Get a touch, though, so I believe he got a touch. Yeah. Um, it is yeah. So yeah, that's just I wanted to give people respect when we say that we're in on these guys that might be free agents and that might have popped up. They're just like how in on you? Like who? What guys are you willing to give up? Because again, some people might be panicking on so like people might be panicking on Damian Harris like no, you no, said no, and no, drop no, Damian no. Harris to grab Kyle Phillips. Like don't do that. No, no. Running backs especially have a little bit more value than wide receivers as, as the season goes on. So then that's why I tried to suggest the wide receivers at the start. But uh, yeah. Rondell Moore. I mean, he was hurt, so you couldn't really see. It. I mean, I guess you wouldn't need to drop him. You could put it on your IR if you have yeah, it. Um, yeah. All right, we'll move that's on. That's too much time. Interesting about that. one, though. But we, yeah, we can come back to that. Later. Um, what about so the Giants side? So Saquon Barkley looked great. 18 carries, 164 yards. I think he's the only player you want to own. And a touchdown. <laughs> like I'm dead serious. I don't know who else you want on the Giants team. Uh, you're not interested in Richie James? Yeah, big day for Mercy. You count on that every week. <laughs> um, Saquon Barkley. I mean, maybe Sterling Shepard to return some flex value for c- certain weeks, but outside of those, Saquon and, and Sterling, I mean, seriously? I mean, I'm good on all the other ones. So, in addition to the rushing value, Saquon also got six, uh, seven targets, six catches for 30 yards. Saquon Not- had himself a game, man. So he's back. Seems like he's back. <laughs> for how long? We don't know. There it is. So that's what I'm gonna say. Saquon Barkley is another one of those guys that's falling into the category of Michael Thomas that I had talked about earlier, where you had a really big week one and you look like you're back and you look great. That's great. My concern is week where seven, are you at? Where are you eight, at in week seven? Week nine. Are you still healthy in week seven? Are you still healthy in week eight, week nine? Week especially, ten, are you ready to make a playoff push? Where are you at? Especially going with everything else that you just said there, Rich. Where so they had thirty two rushing attempts. He had eighteen of them, so he's getting a majority of the rushing attempts. He had seven targets. He was the most targeted player on that team. The next guy was Richie James with six. Sterling Shepard got four. If Saquon Barkley has to have 25 touches a game, how long does he hold up? Especially with the injuries. On, behind a, what is still a bad offensive line on a bad offense, so it's going to be stacked boxes. He's going to be taking an extra hit and a half every time that he runs it as opposed to somebody else who has a better offense that has to spread it out a little bit more. That's, again, the concern. So don't go all in trading to get Saquon Barkley. I look for some deals. Again, when I'm watching those shows, sometimes I'm in the live chat, so I'm seeing some things being proposed back and forth. Some people are way overreacting. Like Some people are ready to give up three players to acquire Saquon Barkley. And I'm like, I, if you're telling me you're going to trade me you know, a wide receiver two, uh, you know, a back-end RB1, and a you know, a tight end in order to get Saquon Barkley. I'm going to do that in a heartbeat. Like, no problem. Like, you guys are insane for giving up that much to get him. I was like, if you think he's putting up 31 points every week, go for it. I don't know that he's I don't know that he's going to do that. Um, this was still, like you said, a very bad offense elsewhere. And I don't know how long he's going to hold up. We'll move on from Saquon. He was a stud. No one to take away from him too much, but I am a little, I am cautiously optimistic about him. Kadarius Toney played seven snaps for the New York Giants. Pass. What's going on? Because <laughs> he, he plays seven snaps. He got He's a two carries That's for 23 yards. He's a knucklehead. That's just what it comes to. All the reports that come out, it's, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. He was doing, not doing something he's supposed to. He's not familiar with the plays of the play. It's always something. It's not. It's never the dude's in, in the locker room doing what he's supposed to do. It's always he's doing something else. Like, the dude's a knucklehead. Cool, I'll, I'll pass on. 
Uh, and this is one of those crazy things because I felt like that was what we were hearing all offseason, all preseason, kind of about Katerius Tony. And then as the preseason started to wind down, we actually started to get towards the start of the regular season. As far as like the experts, as far as fantasy rankings, things like that, we're optimistic about Tony and we're higher on Tony. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, I feel like all the reports were that. Tony like is doing everything he can. It seems like to get out of there. Like you, you know, can't what I get mean? right. It's like you can't get right. And all of a sudden, all of the experts were like, "No, I feel best about Tony. I feel good about Tony. He's the explosive player, and he's the dying." And I'm just like, mm-hmm. "This is one of those things where there was the off-season storylines. Then there was the optimism as the season was about to start. And this is where you have to when you're watching. This is what I try to do, and I want to explain is that." These other rankers and the other ESPN fans sometimes when they have these guys as high, like, they chase upside to a fall. To a point where, like, you're ranking guys so high that, like, you're saying draft this guy to be a starter on a weekly basis where this guy's floor could fall out beginning week one and you are SOL. We had, this was the argument, an argument we were having in our dynasty chat, you know, me and my, me and my Gary Oak going back and forth. And it was about Christian McCaffrey. And he pointed out that Christian McCaffrey is the number two running back drafted overall this year. I was like, that's great. That was a horrible idea for everybody to be taking Christian McCaffrey number two overall. And it's what all the fantasy experts are recommending out there, too. It's like, you know, well, you get Jonathan Taylor is the number one set. Like, you know, you can take Christian McCaffrey is the only argument over him. It's like, because when Christian McCaffrey would play, it's like the floor is so high. It's like, you are telling me with the second overall pick in the draft to take a guy who could play as little as six games this season and be done. I was like, I cannot in good conscience do that. It will ruin the rest of my draft. If I take Christian McCaffrey there, I now need three other running backs on my roster that I feel good about because I'm going to need two running backs to start on a weekly basis if Christian McCaffrey goes, and one to fill in if if, on bye weeks or something happens to them. So what... Like, no, I can't. I couldn't in good conscience take Christian McCaffrey anywhere in the first round in the draft. He was going as the number two overall running back, the number two pick overall. Yeah. I was completely against it. He's not even a top ten running back this week, yeah. people. And we, I know uh, we both passed on him at two in separate leagues. <laughs> you had the two pick. Took I Joe had, Mixon. Worked out great week one I so had far. The two pick. I took Justin Jefferson. Yeah, so. worked out even better week one so far. Yeah. So I mean, I just. Understand that sometimes you listen to fantasy analysts, they're only seeing the upside, and they'll even tell you that sometimes they're chasing upside. But again, as we mentioned before, in the first five rounds of my draft, the way it's going is I want high upside, high floor. Set it, forget it. High upside, high floor. My next option is high floor with maybe not as high as upside. So a Brandon Cooks. I much rather would have taken a chance as my wide receiver two this season on Brandon Cooks, who's only going to get me about 15 points a week, than Michael Thomas, who could be injured in week five and miss the rest of the season. That's where I'm at versus where what I feel a lot of other analysts are at, where like they'll only look at the upside of these guys and say, I'm all in because if I get him at you know as my RB10 and he you know, plays at what he can do at his peak and he's RB2, then you know that's great and I've gotten all this great value. And it's like, yeah, that's great, but what happens if he performs as RB45 and you took him, you know, in at, with the third overall pick. What happens then? Like, it, it tags your entire... That one move tags your team. And it's one of those things where you guys always talk about you can't win your uh, draft in the first round. You can lose it. That's how you That's lose how it right there, by it. taking yeah. a guy who could finish at 45. And it's not fair... And I know it's because of injury, and it's not fair to want to do that with every player, but with somebody who's had significant injuries over the past several seasons... 
it is something you have to take into consideration. It should scale him back. The fact that you're all willing to take him in the first round is the mistake. He shouldn't have been going until the second round, in my opinion. I think everybody should have just waited longer on him. And again, it's one of those things where just that one person in your league somewhere who's going to be all in on him throws off the ADP for everyone else everywhere. And that's kind of where it is. So that's... All right, so I think that's going to be everything for this episode. We have some more, obviously, we're going to get into. We have some more games to run through, but we're going to pick that up in the next episode. We run a little long here. Until next time, I am Ryan McNichols. Rich out. No Mike Coyle today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Fantasy Oddballs. You can also catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, peace out.